Hello and welcome to Grace Life Sir Lowry's Pass. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. Hello Grace Life and welcome to 2024. Shane Holsgrove here, uh, Central uh, Elder, um, representing the Central Eldership team. And uh, I wanted to just uh, first of all start off by wishing you a happy new year. I know it's February and we started the year, but um, you know, as a ministry, we usually take um, a Sunday around this time of the year just for me as the lead pastor, just to send you guys a message uh, to also just tell you a bit about um, the year ahead, what we feel on our hearts as central leadership. So, you know, we kicked off the year as central elders, myself, um, um, you know, Marna and I, and then Chart and um, um, from Piketburg, um, uh, Etienne uh, from Tigerburg, and Peter from uh, Stellenbosch. We got together and we were just praying together and and um, and just seeing like what is on God's heart for us as a ministry, as a, as a family of churches for the year ahead. And, you know, after that, we spent two evenings together with all the campus pastors. Um, online, we had uh, Albania with us. We had Blankenberger from Belgium with us uh, for the first time, which was exciting. And we had Sol Solaris Pass with us as well. And we were all just um, then just sharing with them about uh, the, the year ahead and praying together as well. And, and now this is our opportunity to share some of those things with you. And, you know, we're not necessarily sharing specific plans um, and, and that nothing really is changing. We're doing what we know always to do. But the theme that we felt the Lord give us for this year is build the house build the house. And so I just wanted to take a moment to share with you about how we want to build the house together with you. And we want to invite you to build the house with us. So what do we mean by the house? Firstly, we're going to, we're going to look at that uh, within a couple of verses together. So, you know, I think when I say build the house, I was uh, thinking about this when I was preparing and I realized a lot of different ideas would come up uh, for different people. One of the first ideas that would, might come up for you is from uh, Psalm 127 verse 1, which says, Except the Lord build the house, they that labor in vain build it. Now, um, another verse, before I, I comment on that, that comes up for a lot of people, is in Matthew chapter 16 verse 18, where Jesus says to Peter, uh, uh, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I remember years back, I was in a leadership meeting, and uh, I was asking the question of how can we build the church this year? And, you know, that's something that we as leaders often ask ourselves is how can we reach more people? How can we uh, disciple pe more people? And how can we build the family, the church more? So we were looking at how can we build the church? And, you know, someone piped up and said, you know, except the Lord build the house. The, the, they that labor, labor in vain. And they also said, you know, Jesus said, I will build my church. I think we need to get out of the way and allow Jesus to build his church. And the sentiment that that carries is we must just come and Jesus will do the rest. And I want to start off this year by um, encouraging you, if you have that view, you need to change that view. 
Because that, that's an incorrect view of how Jesus wants to build what we are doing here. Okay? What God is doing through us as grace life. You know, we're, we're called to uh, uh, take the, the message of the gospel around the world. And part of our aim, our vision, our desire is to help people discover the reality of Christianity. That it's not just a religion. It's not just a, a way of life. It's not just a this or a that, but it's life. And it's something that he wants for all of us to experience. <clears throat> but part of that is building a family, building a local family, which will help to accomplish that. So, you know, if we, if we look at um, the, the, when Jesus said, um, upon this rock I will build my church, he's not saying that upon Peter he's going to build the, the, the church, but he's saying upon this revelation that Peter had. What was the revelation? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go into too much detail with uh, explaining those verses to you. But I want to show you where Jesus built the church. Okay, that first verse in Psalm says, except the Lord build the house. Now, what is the house? What is the house of God? Think about it for a moment. John chapter 14 shows us um, that, um, well, let, let, let me look at it. It's, uh, it's important. John chapter 14, verse 2. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. A lot of people get out of that, that there's a mansion waiting for me in heaven. And I'm not going to get into all of that right now, but I'm going to say that one day you'll be disappointed if you're looking for your mansion. Okay. If you look at John 14, verse 2, and what Jesus is saying, He's saying, in my Father's house are many mansions. You can't find a, a house with mansions in it. So the, this verse is symbol, symbolic. It's talking of something. And he's saying, in my Father's house, in the body of Christ, in my Father's house, in the family of God, in the church, are many mansions. The mansions are the dwelling place of God. So in the family of God, the local, in, in the church, there are dwelling places for God. You and I are the mansions. You and I are the dwelling places of God. So, you know, in the Greek, the, the word mansions gives the idea of a permanent dwelling place. And we know that he doesn't live in buildings made of stone, but he lives in us. So, this is what we need to see, is that except the, the Lord build the house, Okay, how did the Lord build his house? Through the death, burial, and resurrection of uh, Jesus, which allowed for the Holy Spirit to come and indwell believers. So now because of the, we are the dwelling place of God, we are the house together of God. So this is saying, except the Lord build the house, the, they that labor, labor in vain. So that's saying that if you're laboring, if you're striving to become a dwelling place of God, to attract the presence of God and to be where the presence of God is at, it's going to come to nothing because that's not how God works. You're laboring in vain if you're trying to get the presence of God to come and for the presence of God to be. The Lord had to prepare or build the house for the Spirit of God to be there. How did he do that? Through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, God has made a way for his spirit to come and dwell in us. 
And now believers are the dwelling place, the mansions of God. Together we are his house, the church. So he has built the house. Okay. <coughs> Excuse me. If you look at that other verse um, in Matthew where it says, um, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Think about that phrase for a moment. Jesus is speaking before his death, his burial, and his resurrection. What is he saying? He's not saying, hey guys, I'm going to get some bricks and I'm going to build the church. He's not saying, I'm going to build the church, a building. We know that he's talking about a people, a community, a family. Okay? But do you know what this verse is saying is really that he's not... He's not really building the church today like that. He is in a way and he isn't. Not the way that we think. We think just become part of the church, sit back and let God bring people. Let God grow people. Do you know that God is not the one who brings people. You are the one that brings people. You help to build the house by bringing people. Okay, that's the first, and I, I think that's important in that statement for you to see. The other thing I want to show you there is that, okay, so you, God is not the one who brings people, we are, but also, yes, God is involved in growing people, but God is not the one who grows people, we are. If we want to look at what spiritual growth is and how spiritual growth happens, we have to look at Ephesians chapter 4, 11 onwards, which says that he gave leadership giftings in the church to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, to grow them for ministry, so that they would grow to become mature, so that they would grow so that they're no longer children tossed to and fro. So leadership in the local church, leadership's responsibility is to grow you. God won't grow you. He's given that responsibility to the leaders in the church. And then we all mature to the place where we help other people grow. Okay? So... When Jesus is saying, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, he's talking before the resurrection, before uh, 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 the birth of the church at Pentecost. And what he's saying is, uh, is that he was prophesying about that time when he would build his church. So he's given birth to the church at Pentecost. The church exists. He's built his church. And now he continues to build the church like this. Okay, 1 Peter 2 verse 5. Ye also are lively stones, are built up a spiritual house. So it's not a physical house, it's a spiritual house. A holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So we are um, living stones, lively stones. So how do we build the church when people receive Christ and they become born again, they become a living stone and our part in helping those people to become saved is helping to build the church. Then, you know, um, uh, we, we, we know the verse well in uh, Grace Life um, you know, uh, from 1 Timothy chapter 2, this is good and acceptable in the eyes of God our Savior who will have all men to be saved. So God's will is all men to be saved, all men to become living stones and to come to a knowledge of the truth, to become mature in Christ. So our part in helping to build 
the house is that we would be reaching out to people, the lost, helping them to receive Christ. Then they become living stones. And then we help them mature as believers, help them come to a, 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 a revelation of the knowledge of truth. Now, how do we do that second part? Okay, we do that second part, helping them come to a knowledge of the truth. We help them do that by becoming part of the house, part of the family. The, and for us, obviously, the, the church is, in, is made up worldwide of every true believer in Christ. And right now, Grace Life is part of the worldwide church. So if you're a believer and you're part of us, you're not just part of Grace Life. You're part of the worldwide church of God, which includes people even sometimes in the Catholic church. There's some born-again Catholics, Catholics who don't uh, just go through rituals, but actually have believed on Jesus for this, their salvation. And so we're part of the worldwide church, but we build the worldwide church by building the local church. The local church is a family. And so I want to encourage you this year and invite you to focus on helping us build the family. It's not just building the house, although that's what we're saying, but it's building the family. Okay, so, you know, when we say we're building the house or building the family, what we're talking about is, number one, we might need buildings. We need buildings, okay? You know, at all of our campuses, really, amen, we need buildings. Uh, we need good buildings, but we're not here about buildings. We can operate in a shed, <laughs> amen? We can operate in a rented venue. We can operate under a tree if the weather helps us. But the point is, it's, it, it, buildings are important, but that's not our aim and main focus. The aim is kingdom. And this kingdom is an unseen kingdom. This kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And so by building the house, we are first and foremost talking about investing into people. I want to invite you to consider, how can you invest into people this year? What do we mean by investing into people? Helping them get saved. Give to missions. Giving to your local church. Maybe a good New Year's resolution for some is, uh, how can I aim to increase my giving to the kingdom? So we invest into people through evangelism, through giving to our local church so they can continue. But we also uh, invest into people through discipleship, helping them come to a knowledge of the truth. We do that by giving into the local church, which disciples me and disciples you and disciples each other. Um, but it's also by actually being a disciple. And we need to unpack that and see what that is. So we need to invest into people. Um, another way we invest into people is, so we invest into people through evangelism. We invest into people through discipleship. Ephesians 1.15 says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto the saints, your love unto all the saints. Other verses say the same thing. And what blesses me with that is it's showing firstly that faith can be seen. There's a good question to challenge yourself with this year. Can my faith be seen? Second question to challenge yourself with this year is it, it says that love can be seen. So he's heard or seen about the love towards all the saints. Is your love for the saints heard about? Do people talk about your love for believers, for the church, for the people in grace life, your brothers and sisters in Christ? So we need to consider these things. 
How am I loving those in the family? We're called to love the family before we're called to love anyone outside the family. So we are inviting you to help us by investing into people. Financially, yes. Of your time, yes. Of yourself, yes. Of your treasures, your, your abilities, your talents, yes. We're inviting you to build community. How do we build community? You need to ask yourself, how can I help to build community this year? You can build community through a life group. You can build community by reaching out to other people. Ask them to go for, for Sunday lunch with you. I challenge you to ask someone to do that that you haven't done it with before. You, you, we, we help to build community by loving and caring for one another. If someone's in need, by supporting them. Okay, There's different ways that we help to build community, build relationship. The community gathers around the Word. We gather around the Word so that we can grow. We grow together as a family for the purpose, and growing is discipleship, but we grow for the purpose of going into all the world to reach people and make disciples. Now, we, we, we gather to grow. That's talking about discipleship. So I want to challenge you with the thoughts of, number one, how can I help Build the community. Number two, how can I help? How can I personally grow as a disciple this year? Ministry school. There's a great way to grow. If you've done ministry school, the leadership academy, that's a great way to grow. You can grow through uh, uh, um, going to a Bible study. You can go, grow in many different ways. Okay, But grow as a disciple. And then also ask yourself, who can I help to grow as a disciple this year? Maybe lead a life group, reach out to a, an unbeliever, reach out to a baby believer, help them grow in the knowledge of the truth. This year, we're also going to have tools for you to help you disciple others. We're busy working on that. And um, your campus pastor will tell you more about that. I'll tell you a little bit more in a, in a sec. But ask yourself, how can I be part of discipleship more this year? And then, you know, so we gather around the word and we gather together around the word, which is community, in order to grow, which is discipleship, in order to go, which is mission. Go into all the world, go into your world in order to live out our purpose as believers. Okay, and there's many ways that you can do that. There's many opportunities at your campus and in the ministry to do that. Now I challenge you to step into more of what God's called you to in this year. So today, another thing I wanted to just uh, highlight is we are celebrating with many students. Um, I actually should have looked at how many, but we were celebrating with the graduates of Grace Life Ministry School 2023. So, you know, at your campus, if there were any graduates, anyone who did Grace Life Ministry School last year, your campus pastor is going to call them forward. We're going to celebrate them. We're going to give them a certificate. Um, and um, I trust that it stirs you up to consider doing ministry school this year because there'll be an opportunity for you to do it. And remember, for Grace Life, is it's free because we want to equip you. It's a service that we have to our family. So I want to encourage you and challenge you to consider how am I investing into people? How am I building community? And how am I part of disciple making? You're blessed. Have a wonderful service. And I trust, or we can, we can trust together, 2024 is going to be a year of more of what God has for us. Okay, so the idea that many of us has grown up with, and I also grew up with this view of church, is that it is just something we do on Sundays, no? 
It is a time when we can sing songs and have nice emotional time and be encouraged by the pastor. That was my view of church. Worship was usually our favorite part of it. Uh, and then I would see even some people fall asleep during the word. I've seen this in churches happening. No? It's, it's, it's a very self-centered thing. We see it as a time when we can meet with God and ask forgiveness for our sins. Or maybe we went to church because we wanted something else from God, like healing. No? Or for God to bless you. Why do you think a little bit? Think a, bit, a little bit about your past. How did you see church? What was your view of church? No? Many times we think now we're going to the house of the Lord. And the house of the Lord in our mind is a building. Is a building. We are going to the house of the Lord and we are going to meet with God. As if He's not with you in that moment. He is there at church. We're going to meet Him there. I'm going to get forgiveness for my sins. That is not the purpose of church. No. What is the true purpose of church? When I came to Grace Life, my view of church radically changed. I found out that church is not primarily for me to be blessed. We do not come here to be blessed. No? Although you will be blessed if you come. No? But that is not our reason for coming. And it is not to receive encouragement, but for God to work through me to bless and encourage others. Amen. You will be blessed. You will receive encouragement. But we need to adopt an attitude of I, I am going with a purpose. I am going to bless someone else. I am going to give what God has given me in my quiet time, in my relationship time with Him. I am willing, if I get the opportunity, to share that. I am willing, I am going to church to overflow to others. Amen. I am I'm going to partake, to give. Amen. I never saw church that way. I always went to, to receive. What can I get? What can I get? Amen. And we were looking for emotional experiences. I realized that coming to church is not about meeting with God. Coming to church is not about meeting with God. God, God is always with you. God is always with me. He lives in me. I have access to God 100% of the time. You can speak to God anytime. You don't have to come here on a Sunday before you can speak to God. You can have whatever we do here in your own time as well. No? You can meet and spend time with God anytime. We come to church to meet with each other. That is why we come to church. The believers, the family of God, comes to church so that we can meet with each other and grow in relationship with each other. Amen? We come here to meet with each other and enjoy God together. It is meeting and spending time with family. Amen. And then I realized that church is a family. And that this family has purpose, like Peter said. This family has a purpose. It is a, a family on a mission. 
There is a greater reason and a purpose why we come together like this. Something that we all have in common. Something that unites us. And what is that? We find that purpose in Jesus' words to His disciples in Mark 16 verse 14. You can go to Mark 16 verse 14. Mark 16 verse 14 Mark 16 verse 14 He says Later Jesus appeared to the 11 disciples no? as they were eating he rebuked them for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen from the dead. He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. After the Lord Jesus has spoken to them, He was taken up into heaven, and He sat at the right hand of God. Then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed uh, His word with, uh, sorry, by signs that accompanied it. Amen. What stands out to you, to you from that verse? What is the purpose of the church? What is our purpose? What is the purpose of this family? I'll give you a clue. It's in verse 15. Yes. To go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. I included verse 14 as well. Jesus rebukes them for their unbelief. Some of them doubted. Think about this. Some of them doubted that he rose from the dead. But he did not reject those who doubted. This is amazing to me. He still gave them this mission. Even though some of them doubted. After rebuking them for not believing, he still sends them out. That's, that's grace, huh? He still gave them this mission. So there is hope for me and for you as well. Amen. <laughs> You do not have to be the best. You do not have to be perfect at all. All you need is to be humble and teachable. Om nederig en leerbaar te wees. Humble and teachable. The more we are rooted in the truth, your doubt will disappear. Amen. And that is, how do you get rooted? You come to church. You come to the family. And you get rooted by studying the scriptures with us amen but our purpose is in verse 15 to go 
Let's say go. 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 Jesus said, go. Amen. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Our reaction to this should be the same as the, dis the disciples' reaction. What was their reaction? Verse 20. What does verse 20 say? What was the, the reaction of the disciples? Then the disciples went. The disciples went. So Jesus said, go. And the disciples went. went. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward. Yeah. We just need to obey in the same way. We just need to go. They went and they did what Jesus told them to do. Amen. This is called the Great Commission. Every Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all end with this commandment from Jesus. It's called the Great Commission. The Co-Mission. Co. What does Co mean? It means together. No? The Together Mission. We are called to go on the together mission. I love how that is just such a part of the, the whole idea. It is that we go together as a family. Right? Together we will be effective. Pastor Etienne from Tigerberg quotes this African proverb. He says, if you want to go fast, go alone. Right? If you want to go far, go together. Right? If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. Amen. Acts 14 verse 21. Let's go to Acts 14 verse 21. Here we see the disciples doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. Acts 14 verse 21. It says, After preaching the good news in Derby, or Derby, I'm not sure how to pronounce that name. After preaching the good news in Derby uh, and making many disciples. I like that name. Preaching the good news and making many disciples. Yes. Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia. They were strengthened by the believers. That is what we do if we get together. Eh? We strengthen each other. They encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them what we must suffer or that we must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas also appointed leaders in every church. They appointed leaders in every church. Why did they appoint leaders? So that the church can grow. Eh? For discipleship. With prayer and fasting, they turned the elders over to the care of the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. Amen. There's a lot in that verse, but it comes down to discipleship. The good news is preached, it is believed, and the new believers form communities like this. No? Life Solaris, Grace Life Solaris Falls. Like Grace Life as a whole. And many other churches. No? Um, the believers form families and communities. Those families gather together as much as possible, and they were strengthened and encouraged to continue in the faith. 
How was this done? Through teaching and doctrine. That is how we are strengthened. Eh? Yeah. Through teaching and studying the word of God. Paul and Barnabas made disciples that matured to become elders. Eh? They made disciples. Those disciples were matured. They, were, uh, they became mature and then they could be elders. And then they had to do the same. Eh? How will we reach the world if we do not follow this method? Jesus illustrated it himself. He chose 11 guys, 12 guys. He didn't go out all on his own to accomplish his mission. He need, we need others. Eh? We need to work together. Otherwise, we will never reach the world. An individual on his own cannot reach the world, the whole world. We need to work together as a family. So that is the purpose of our meeting together. To mature into disciple-making disciples that preach the gospel. Amen. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews and some are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. You are a part of the church because you have the same spirit. No? We all have the same Spirit, the Spirit of God. And we all share the same Spirit. Verse 14, Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, does that make it any less part of the body? And if the ear says, I am not part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body was an eye, how would it hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would it smell anything? Verse 18. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where He wants it. How strange a body would it be if, on, if it had only one part? Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Eh? In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members, so that all the members care for each other. So that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are jealous. 
all the parts are glad. Né? If you want to see the church grow, we are going to have to be active. We spoke about the, the, the family value of um, uh, serving from rest, né? serving from a place of rest. We rest in our relationship with God, but we will be very active. Né? If we want to change the village of Solaris Pass, we are going to have to step up. Amen. It is easy to hear that and agree. And in the back of our minds, we actually don't take ownership of that responsibility. No? So don't just hear and agree to this. Accept this responsibility. We think others in the church will do it, no? But each of us, we need, I need, each of you to accept this responsibility. God needs you to accept this responsibility. Do you hear me? We as individuals need to pick up our responsibility. You need to see yourself as a valuable part of this body. You need to see yourself as a valuable part of this body. Because that is what you are. Amen. I am telling you today, you are a valuable part of this body. It doesn't matter who you are. I wish I could look each and every one of you in the eye and tell you that. Receive it. You are valuable. And you, we need you. We need you if we want to change this community. If we want to change the world. No? Every part is valuable. It is in the will of God for your life that you are a part of His body. If you are not here, the body is incomplete and lacking. If you are not here, the body is incomplete and lacking. You will, uh, God will build His church, but He needs us, His body, to do that. God is spirit. He needs a body to operate in this world. No? And that is us. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1. Doesn't matter how old you are. You are valued. You are valued. You are important. That's why we have kids church. That is why we train the kids up in the word of God. That's why we show them the gospel. That's why we show them how good God is. Amen. Is that what we're doing in kids church, Anthony? Amen. Is that what we are doing in kids church? <laughs> I believe so. <laughs> I don't think Anthony heard my question well. Uh, where were we? Second Timothy two verse one. 2 Timothy 2 verse 1, it says, or Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people. Who will be able to pass them on to others. That is discipleship. The passing on of truth to another. 
that is also able to pass on that truth to another. That is also able to pass on that truth to another. That is also, and so forth and so forth. That is discipleship. You understand? Imagine I disciple one person, and he disciples the next one, and the next one, okay? That is good. But imagine, I'm discipling all of you, and all of you disciple one person. Imagine the, the, the multiplication, no? So much faster. Imagine two of you, or all of, imagine all of you have a little group of five people. Imagine it. If all of you have a little group of five people, and they, each of them, have come to a point where they can share the truth, where they can preach the gospel, where they can disciple people, five people times five is 25. <laughs> 25. And those 25 mul multiplied by five. So we go. Ne? That is how we will reach the world. As, an individ as individual parts of the body, we need to be strong in grace, okay? We said, we saw in 2 Timothy 2 verse 1, Paul said to, Paul, uh, to Timothy, Be strong in grace. That means we need to put our focus on the finished work of Jesus on the cross. We need to be rooted in Christ. There are many opportunities in grace life for you to become settled and rooted and discipled in the truth and the skills and the knowledge that you need to mature into a mature disciple-making disciple. Amen? John 3 verse 16. Why do we do all of this? Why should we make disciples? John 3 16. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. That is why we make disciples. Because God loves the world. God loves the person that stabbed someone last night. God loves the person that is passed out on the sidewalk because he drank a bit too much. God loves every church goer out there that doesn't really know him god loves you imagine Amen. god loves your your family amen. god loves the people in your house amen? amen the people that you left behind this morning when you came to church god loves them and God wants to see them saved. God wants to have relationship with them. He wants to give them eternal life too. Amen? Because eternity is forever. Eternity is forever. That is why God wants to make sure that everyone has an opportunity. Amen? I went onto the Grace Life website and I saw, um, it's a great website, I'll share the link with you in the week where you can just go look at the website and uh, you can also see there what we believe. Mm. 
and I chose just one paragraph that I want to read for you. It says, every believer, say every believer. Every believer. Every believer. Every believer. Is called to live a life of mission. Oh, you have to continue. <laughs> every believer, that's what I want to, the point that I want to drive home is, if you are a believer, then this is your responsibility. Amen. This is what you have the privilege of being a part of. Amen. Every believer is called to live a life of mission to reach the unsaved, the unchurched. Unchurched means people that don't go to church and unreached. Unreached is people that never heard the gospel. No? Never heard what, what Jesus did for them. There are people like that. Um, as ministers of reconciliation and an ambassador of Christ, a vertemwoordiger van Jesus, called to be witness, called to be a witness and to show God's love and goodness in everyday life. That is what we do. We show people God's love and goodness in everyday life. Um, pastors and church leaders are not more special than church members. We are all equal, even though we may have different functions. The role of leadership is to equip the believers for the work of the ministry. Amen. Are you willing to be equipped for the work of the ministry? Amen. Amen. That's, I'm happy to hear that. Okay, so to finish off this morning, I want to ask you two questions. And I want you to write them down. What can I do to grow in my relationship with God this year? What can I do to grow in my relationship with God this year? What can I do to mature as a believer? That's one question. What can I do to grow in my relationship with God this year? And what can I do to mature as a believer? They can tell you that coming to church is a very good uh, step in that direction. <laughs> being a part of church, being a part of Grace Life, being a part of every meeting that you have the opportunity to, to, to do, ne? to come to. And who can I disciple this year? Think about it. Go pray about it. Is there one person, just one person in my life, that I can have a relationship with and share the word with, that I can help mature to a next level, no? mature to, to show someone that, hey, I can preach the gospel just like you can preach the gospel. No? Who can I disciple this year? All right. You can find more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.ca. And if you're ever in the Solaris Pass area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us, or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website, www.gracelife.ca.